Hey there, friend. It's Clarissa, founder of Blossoming Fertility and the host of the Fertility Friends podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Listen, I know the path to motherhood isn't always easy, and you don't have to go through it alone. After experiencing my own fertility challenges, I discovered a passion for helping other women because I believe that everyone's fertility journey is unique and beautiful in its own way. As your new fertility friend, I'm here to support you through the tough times, to encourage you to keep going, and to restore your belief in your body's ability to get and stay pregnant. Grab your cup of tea, get cozy, and join me here each week for education, heartfelt conversations that'll warm your soul, and inspiring stories to help you feel seen and understood along the way. Listen in, because this one's for you, my friend. Hey there, friend. Welcome to episode 13 of the Fertility Friend Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing my sweet friend, Andrea Singletary. In fact, she's the one who encouraged me to hit publish on my first episode of this podcast and has provided me with so much guidance, mentorship, and support along the way in launching this. When Andrea and I first connected, she opened up to me about her fertility story, and I knew I had to share it with you. During our chat, we talk about her personal fertility journey, how she navigated the emotions of loss after a miscarriage, her pregnancy experience, and the major differences between her two births. I titled this episode Rewriting the Narrative because I was so inspired by her resolve to transform and reclaim her second birth experience. Rewriting your story and reframing the narrative means finding power in our stories so that we can learn from them and use them to grow and to create the life and the experiences that we desire. Andrea did exactly that, not only through the birth of her daughter, but by being so intentional about creating a business that supports her in being the type of mom that she wants to be. So before we dive in, let me introduce you to Andrea so you can get to know her a little bit better. Andrea Singletary is a wife, mom of two, as well as a life and business coach for mompreneurs. On her podcast, Mama Turned Mompreneur, she talks about all things motherhood and business life. Her biggest passion is helping other moms build a business that fits their current season of life because, let's be honest, life as a mom is ever-changing, and finding what aligns with you is key. She takes pride in helping her clients succeed and grow their clientele off social media so they can spend less time on their phones and more time with their littles. This conversation was really relatable and inspiring, so without further ado, let's listen in. All right. Well, hi, Andrea. Welcome to the Fertility Friend Podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and dive in. I know I'm eager to hear excuse me, more about your story, so why don't you tell us a little bit more about life before the fertility journey and um, just a little bit more about yourself? Yeah. So, um, I guess I'll start with who I am. So I'm Andrea Singletary. Um, I'm a wife. Me and my husband just celebrated five years of marriage and oh my gosh, how many years have we been together? (laughs) I want to say it's been eight years. Yeah. Eight years. Um, dating. (laughs) Um, so yeah, we've been together for a while. Um, and then also we have two little ones, which I'll be sharing more about them in a bit, but, um, my kids' names are Eden and Josiah. Josiah is three. Eden is one. And, um, I also am a business owner. I am a podcast coach and strategist. And so I support moms running businesses and raising babies, 
by helping them simplify their marketing strategy through the power of podcasting. Um, and I started my business so that I could become a work from home mom, um, just to be present for my kids and be there for all of those special first moments and everything like that. Um, so that's a little bit about me and my family. Um, and then I guess prior to my fertility journey, so I never imagined I would have any challenges with getting pregnant. I just assumed like when me and my husband started trying, it would just happen. Um, so that thought never crossed my mind or anything like that. Um, so me and my husband, we got married in 2018 and we wanted to start trying immediately. We knew we wanted kids. We actually had our kids' names picked out like before we even got married <laughs> and everything. And so um, we started trying and months went by and we're like, okay, what's going on? Um, we didn't think it would be challenging or anything like that. And so I started just doing more research, trying to learn more about my body and how it works and actually like what it takes to get pregnant. And surprisingly, it's not as easy as you think. <laughs> um, so I started doing all the things. I think I started tracking my cycles. So like getting up in the morning, taking that, you know, first, first morning temperature and really learning like when I'm ovulating and all of that. Um, I even tried, I don't know if you've heard of, it's like the Ava bracelet where yeah. it like, yeah. So I, I used did that. that. <laughs> yeah. I did that too. And it just seemed like nothing was working. And um, I always like to kind of go back. I always had like really heavy, painful periods. And so I started to wonder if maybe something more was going on there. Like I went to the doctors multiple times and they're like, oh, that's normal. That's normal. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not normal. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, I never got like tested or anything like to see if like it possibly could have been like endometriosis or anything like that. Um. But I did finally started to pursue it more because I think we were like six months into trying and nothing. And so I was like, okay, let me actually go to the doctors and see if I can actually get help this time around. So I discovered that I had fibroids that were like about the size of strawberries. So I ended up having surgery to get those removed. Like they just shaved it off so they wouldn't like mess up the integrity of my uterus or anything like that. But even after that, I still had very painful periods and mm -hmm. they were still heavy. And so I'm like, okay, it has to be more. Like it sounds like maybe it could be hormonal. And so I decided to like meet with a naturopathic doctor just to kind of see if we approached it differently. And so I did, I don't know if you've ever done these, but I did like the Yoni steams. Like I was doing- I always wanted everything. to. That was next on my list to try. Yes, yeah. I did it. <laughs> and it was, it was very effective. Like just felt like it was like very cleansing for my body and everything. And um, this person in particular, she also did- um, the pelvic massages too. Okay. So like I was going to see her weekly. Um, she like provided some herbs and everything. And um, she also told me to like certain supplements that I should be taking. So like 
for instance, uh, like a lot of times we're not getting enough magnesium. And she said, that's a big one. So like I started taking magnesium, all these other supplements. And I also had my husband taking stuff too. I'm like, <laughs> we want to make sure you have healthy sperm. Yeah, <laughs> so, <it's good. laughs> yeah. So like, I just went on this journey, like doing all of these things. But I, I really liked working with the naturopathic doctor just because it felt good to my body. Like it mm-hmm. felt like I noticed instantly like a change in my cycle. Like I wasn't having as heavy a bleeding, like it wasn't as painful because in the past it used to be where I would have to call off from work when mm-hmm. it was that time of the month, because I just could not like, now that I've had kids, it felt like labor pains, like mm-hmm. every month, like it was that bad. Um, but yeah, she gave me like a lot of different things, even using the um, castor oil, like doing mm-hmm. castor oil packs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was doing all of the things. And so when me and my husband hit the one year mark, we found out that I was pregnant and we were so excited. Didn't imagine like anything would go wrong. Like we'd been waiting for this. We'd been trying for a year and literally a week after we found out, I started to miscarry mm-hmm. and it was just so heartbreaking for us, you know, because we had been trying and making all these changes and it was just like, wow, are we ever going to be able to actually have kids? And so I think at that point, after we went through the miscarriage, although we had like a lot of family support, we had support from our church and everything. I think him and I both had reached a point where we just accepted that maybe we couldn't have kids. Mm -hmm. And so we just stopped trying. We stopped talking about it. And we just are like, okay, we're going to just enjoy being with each other, you know, traveling and doing different things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of like the before and leading into, Mm -hmm. you know, our um, whole fertility journey. So I'm so glad. And I'm sorry to hear about your loss. First and foremost, I know how devastating that can be and just how heartbreaking it is. And I think too, that I I just wish it wasn't so common too. I feel like we're hearing more and more about miscarriages and um, it's just really unfortunate. It doesn't make it any easier, especially when it's something that you've wanted for so long and you have that hope when you see that pregnancy test. So yeah, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I'm curious, you mentioned that at least during that time that you had some support, when was it that you opened up to share that you were struggling with either friends, family, or your church? Um, honestly, like I, me and my mom are really close. So she kind of knew throughout, um, but it wasn't until we actually went through the miscarriage that we started reaching out to more people. Mm -hmm. And I started hearing from other women, like how they went through the same thing and they went on to have, you know, healthy pregnancies and stuff like that. Um, I think the hard part for me is like when we had to like go to the doctors because we, we, you know, made all the appointments and everything, you know, you're supposed to do your first scan and Mm -hmm. all of that. And I think it was just hard because they are so they try to be so neutral. Mm. And I ended up having um, a nurse practitioner who, I mean, I don't want to diagnose her, but it felt like she was kind of on the spectrum because there was just like no emotion, no, Mm. it was like very matter of fact, and like, 
kind of came off as rude Mm -hmm. and it was just like such a hard time because like we're I'm currently miscarrying like and you're telling me all these things like there's no heartbeat there's like all this stuff and it was just so overwhelming and like I think her approach it kind of made me feel like shame like Mm -hmm. you know there was something wrong with me that I couldn't carry this pregnancy the full term Mm -hmm. and so um I think because miscarriages it's not talked about a lot you know a lot of people kind of brush it off especially like it was very early for us I was barely like five weeks along Mm -hmm. and so some people are like oh you know it's early at least you weren't in your second trimester like people will say stuff like that which is just so heartbreaking because it's like no matter what like no matter how far along I was Mm -hmm. like that was my baby I ordered the announcement onesie Mm -hmm. and all of the things and started planning stuff and even reached out to the photographer who did our wedding like I asked him would he do the maternity shoot like I like I said I had no expectation no like thought like anything could possibly go wrong and so yeah um I think eventually like just all of those feelings and everything. I was like, I need to talk to someone. So I did start to reach out to like family and friends and everything and hearing other women's stories about what they went through. It really kind of helped me navigate my feelings and everything. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like the community aspect is so important along the journey and too many, too often, I feel like we hold back from sharing maybe because of that shame. Like you mentioned, you're you're thinking, well, maybe something's wrong with me. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe something's wrong with my body. And you think, well, it's just me. It's just me that's going through this and it can feel very isolating. So I'm glad that you did eventually find support too. Um, I know for me, I always wished that I had found support sooner along the journey too. It might've been a little bit easier. Um, But even too, I don't know how you felt, but it almost seems like, yeah, when you open up to people, then they tell you, oh yeah, well, I had a miscarriage too, or I struggled with fertility too. And it's not something that we talk about in the moment while it's happening a lot of times. So I think for for people like us who maybe expected that or didn't expect to have these challenges, it can be, I don't know, a little off-putting. It's like, well, I wish I would have known this sooner. I wish I would have known that this was even a possibility. Maybe I would have been able to mentally prepare or emotionally prepare in some way. So yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough, but I'm glad you're finding support now. And so let's continue on with the story then. So um, what happened then at this point in your journey? So, yeah, um, after the miscarriage, you know, you have to keep going to the doctors to get like your Mm -hmm. um, HCG levels checked. And so Mm -hmm. every week going to get my blood drawn until it finally hit zero, which was so Mm -hmm. annoying. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Cause it was like, I'm not like, I'm not pregnant anymore. I passed the baby and everything, mm-hmm. but you like, you have to, like, they want to make sure that it's like dropped and all of that. So I went through that. And like I said, at that point, me and my husband weren't talking about trying to conceive anymore. Like my husband, he told me, he was like, you know, whenever you're ready, we can, you know, try again. And I was just like, I don't know if I'm going to be ready, because I don't want to go through that again, because I guess my mind started going to like, what if I have like reoccurring loss, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, I don't think 
I can handle that like mentally and emotionally. Um, so yeah, we, we didn't try. Um, and so that happened in June, 2019, my birthday is July. So July, 2019, I threw this huge 30th birthday party and having so much fun. And I just like, kind of like really just celebrated me and just being with friends and family and stuff. And then August 2019, I found out I was pregnant again. (laughs) And I was like, well, I didn't expect that to happen so quickly. (laughs) Um, And I was excited, but I was terrified because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if we would even make it so that I could hear a heartbeat. And I had so much anxiety. And so I literally had to take it day by day, but it was hard. You know, every time I would go to the bathroom and would wipe, I would check to see if there was blood. I expect it to see blood. And um, at the time, like I was in the middle of changing insurances and then I had to like wait. So like normally they want to see you by like about nine weeks to mm-hmm. do that first ultrasound. But I don't think I was seen until like, right like maybe like 11 weeks or so and so having to wait to ensure that this is you know the baby implanted where it needed to implant that they have a strong heartbeat all of that like just so much anxiety and so during that waiting period like I was at work one day and I went to the bathroom wiped and there was blood and I freaked Mm -hmm. out and so I called my mom and I was like can you meet me at the ER like I just I want to make sure my baby is okay like I don't want to go through another miscarriage and so we went you know ER it's like the longest wait ever Mm -hmm. Um, but finally they got me in they did an ultrasound um, and baby had a strong heartbeat they said everything was okay that where baby implanted it was perfect like everything looked good and healthy and you know, they gave me my um estimated due date and all of that. And it just put my mind at ease, but I still had that anxiety in that, okay, we made it through that. Like now we got to get to the second trimester. Mm-hmm. And so it was, I can say that my pregnancy, this was my pregnancy with my son, like I didn't, I wasn't fully present for it because I was still a nervous wreck that something was going to go wrong. Mm -hmm. And then this is, so this was like 2019. So leading into the pandemic. And so, um, you know, we made it to second trimester. Everything was good. And then we ended up finding at 20 weeks that we were having a boy and all of that. Um, we got to do like the gender reveal. Um, Mm -hmm. so me and my husband, we did something, the two of us that was shared on social media. And then I also did something at work with my, um, I was a preschool director at the time. So with my staff, I did a gender reveal cake and everything. Um, so, you know, just trying to celebrate all those milestones and everything and try to be present, you know, in this pregnancy, And then we made it to 2020 and then, you know, planned the baby shower and everything. We were going to have it in March 2020 and the pandemic hit. And 
then I had to cancel my baby shower. And mm-hmm. I was like, so heartbroken because first time mom, mm-hmm. no baby shower. Yeah. And, you know, at that time, everything was so new. Nobody really knew what COVID was, what it could do and all of that. <laughs> we just knew people were in the hospital. People were dying from it and everything. And so between not being able to have a baby shower, but also now worrying like, oh my gosh, like mm-hmm. if I get COVID, like, you know, when you're pregnant, your immune system is non-existent. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just thinking about myself, but thinking about me and my unborn child. So it was a scary time. And I was supposed to go on maternity leave. I think it was like towards the end of March. I actually asked my OB if he could take me off earlier just because I did we really didn't know much about COVID and I just didn't feel comfortable like possibly putting myself in a situation where I could get it Mm -hmm. um so yeah like that whole experience just trying to navigate that and again like my anxiety was already up there but now you're adding in COVID and Mm -hmm. you know pretty much isolating yourself from people too like it was just really just uncertain times and everything like that um so yeah like that was kind of that part and then um I was due I think it was like April 24th April 25th with my son um but something I didn't share earlier when I was saying but I um I have a diagnosis of lupus and so one thing with that is that supposedly when you have lupus, they don't like for you to go past 39 weeks because you could potentially have more complications. Okay. Now, mind you, I had a very healthy pregnancy throughout. Like I was getting my blood work done, seeing being seen by my rheumatologist as well as my OB, like everything was fine. Like I didn't have any flare ups or anything like that, but they were very adamant about me um, either going into labor by 39 weeks, which is not realistic, especially for a first time mom, (laughs) (laughs) or they were going to induce me. So, you know, I'm like, me and my husband were walking, doing all the things, (laughs) bouncing on the birth ball. (laughs) We even attempted sex, which is so uncomfortable. (laughs) Tell me about it. Yes. (laughs) But my son wasn't ready to come out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they called me and they're like, okay, you haven't gone into labor. So we need to schedule your induction. So we went in, um, I believe it was April 19th um, to start the induction process and all of that. And it was like, I had my birth plan and all of that, but of course they did not follow any of it. Um, and they really don't educate you on everything they do for the induction. They create this situation in which more than likely you're going to have to end up getting a C-section. And I didn't know that I wasn't educated on the time at the time. And so they started like they started with the pill to try to, you know, soften your cervix and all of that. Of course, I didn't really dilate or anything. Mm -hmm. Then they started, they moved to the Foley bulb, which they're like, oh, it doesn't hurt. That was a lie. That was Mm -hmm. the most excruciating thing ever. 
And then that, I think maybe I dilated a couple of centimeters. Then they're like, okay, let's start the Pitocin. And so I, the problem was like, they were doing all these back-to-back things. And so like between my body and my son's body, like we couldn't really handle it. So they started noticing that with the Pitocin, my son's heart rate started to drop drastically. And they were like, you know, if it continues, we're going to have to do an emergency C-section. And so Mm -hmm. also during this time, they're like, oh, you know, can we break your water? That might help it, Mm -hmm. which it did not. Again, I didn't know at the time. So like they're just doing all these things again to create the situation where they can make sure you have your baby on their terms pretty much. And so they did that. And then after that, they're like, okay, well, you have to have the baby within this time frame, or, you know, the risk of infection goes up and all these things. And um, so like, while the Pitocin was going, like the contractions you have on with Pitocin are nothing compared to natural labor contractions. They you literally feel like your uterus is being like ripped in half, like it is bad. And so like, originally I wanted to do a natural birth, like unmedicated. And at that point I was like, I can't, I need the epidural. So um, they, the hospital that I um, had my son at, it was a um, teaching hospital. And so mm-hmm. I didn't know, but the person who they had placed the epidural was a student. Mm -hmm. and he didn't place it properly so keep this in mind because I did end up having a c-section so anesthesia (laughs) did not do all that it was supposed to do oh my gosh yeah so eventually it got to the point where they're like we have no other choice but to do the c-section because with the pitocin when we increase it your son's heart rate drops so I, you know, had to come to terms with that. Like I called my mom crying and everything because that is not what I envisioned for my birth plan. I like C-section was nowhere on my radar. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something like even like my afterbirth care stuff that I purchased, none of it was C-section mm-hmm. friendly. Yeah. So <laughs> I was not ready for that. Yeah. Um, and so they, we, I ended up in like, okay, you know, if this is going to ensure that my son arrives here safely, you know, I'm going to do what I have to do. So mm-hmm. we went in to do the C-section and I'm telling them I can feel them cutting into my skin. And they're like, no, it's just pressure. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I feel the knife cutting into my skin. Like, oh my God. And like, they wouldn't listen to me. And I ended up blacking out during the C-section because it was just so painful. And again, it's because the epidural wasn't placed properly. And I found out after the fact, like talking to some friends who had C-sections, they're like, yeah, you shouldn't feel anything at all. And I was like, well, I felt it. And so um, my son he arrived safely. Of course, like he was looking around, like, why did you take me out? (laughs) (laughs) But I think the hardest part for me was that like, 
I I think my body was in shock. So I was like just shaking uncontrollably. Mm -hmm. And that's part of too, like with the epidural and the anesthesia and stuff, you get the shakes, but I felt like it was magnified. Mm -hmm. And so like, I didn't feel safe to hold my son. And so I didn't get to do that skin, immediate skin to skin. And even after like they took me to the recovery room, I still was shaking and just Mm -hmm. so out of it that I could not hold my son immediately. Mm -hmm. And it just, it kind of like just set the tone for like the start of my journey into motherhood. And we ended up like having issues with breastfeeding and all of these things. And it was because that was just such a traumatic experience for me that I wasn't fully prepared to like step into the role of mom. Mm -hmm. And so it was just, it was really hard. And I dealt with a lot of like postpartum anxiety and depression. And I, I recognized it immediately and I, I got help. You know, I started working with a therapist who specialized with working with postpartum moms and everything. And it helped me so much. But yeah, that whole experience, it was it was a lot. It like it just wasn't, you know, what you envision for especially as a first time mom. Yeah, I'm so sorry that that was your experience, too. And it it does. It sounds traumatizing. Like even as you're telling me, I'm just like, oh, I can't you know, imagine the pain that you must have gone through for one and just that experience and how challenging it's, it really is to care for your newborn baby when you're not really being cared for, right? When you were still healing, when you were still processing everything that happened. Um, and yeah, that's definitely a challenging time. And it makes sense that you had that, you know, postpartum depression afterwards, because it's something that, I don't know, you don't just get over, you don't just automatically recover as soon as you get home with your baby right I mean it's a it's a process and the the healing and everything that you experience in terms of just it not really being what you envisioned um I'm sorry that it wasn't and I'm sorry that you went through that because I feel like no woman should have to go through that and like you said at the beginning it's that education piece at the beginning a lot of women just don't go in prepared knowing what they can do to advocate for themselves, knowing the questions that they can ask, knowing the things, the procedures that they can decline, knowing what the alternatives are, right? Knowing what the the issues are. And it just, it's really challenging too. Was, I'm curious, um, while you were in the hospital too, it sounds like you called your mom, so she wasn't there with you. Was your husband there with you? Or did you have any type of doula or any other type of support with you? So they only allowed one support person. Um, So I had my husband there, but even him, he felt so helpless because he didn't know, Mm -hmm. you know, um, Mm -hmm. and even to like, there was a point like after uh, we were still waiting to like be taken to the room for the C-section and everything, but like the um, epidural, because it wasn't placed properly, I wasn't getting, you know, the pain meds and so Mm -hmm. I'm like screaming in pain the nurses are ignoring me and like I my husband is like calling for the nurses and stuff and they're like oh you just need to press the button to release more pain meds and like I've done that Mm -hmm. like it's not working and so they finally it probably was like an hour or so later they call the anesthesiologist to come up and 
he like went off on them because he was like, there's no more pain meds. So she really was in pain. Oh my God. But it was just like, even that situation, like my husband felt so helpless because he just, he didn't know. And it's like, even though we're both calling for help, like the staff were ignoring us, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and I, I know that at that time it was the height of the pandemic and people were just so scared. Like I even, I had to be tested for COVID like when I first came (laughs) in and all of this stuff, like it was just, it was the height of the pandemic. Nobody knew what was going on and everyone was acting out of fear instead of doing their job. And I think that just added to that entire experience instead of like them thinking about, well, if you're terrified, what about this first time mom coming in to have her baby? Mm-hmm. How does she feel? Exactly. You know, especially nobody can really tell us what COVID is and whatnot, you know? So yeah, it was just overall, it was just a crazy time to be having kids. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I wonder too, like, I think the pandemic definitely made it a lot worse, but some of the procedures and stuff that you described, the dis- that you described in the process is still in place today. That's still yeah. kind of the path that they end up taking you on a lot of times. So um, it may have made it worse, but I don't know how much better it would have been either, right? It just kind of depends. Yeah. It's, it's hard to tell, hard to know. But well, I can you do know because you, you have a new experience, yeah, with your daughter. But <laughs> so, well, I guess tell me a little bit more about, um, I guess, from the time that you had your son and then to eventually conceiving your daughter, um, maybe kind of that in between and what happened there. Yeah. So after I had my son, like me and my husband, we always knew we wanted more children. And I was like, I'm never going through that type of birth Mm -hmm. experience again. And so I started researching other options. So I looked into like birth centers and midwives and all of that and really educating myself because I realized that was the missing piece for me is that I didn't have Mm -hmm. that education. I didn't know one what my rights were as like the patient but Mm -hmm. also two like what I could say yes to what I could say no to what is actually needed what is just you know the doctors trying to create a easier birth situation for themselves (laughs) and so I really just went on that path of like educating myself so that way when me and my husband decided to start trying to conceive again you know, we would be ready and we would know like what our options were. And so another thing too, is that we assumed it would be hard to conceive again. Mm-hmm. It was not. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so my son, he would, he turned one in April, 2021. Okay. And then August, 2021, I found out I was pregnant again with my daughter. I did not believe it. I was filling off and what really alerted me was like, I love Cold Stone ice cream. And my mm. husband brought some home and I almost threw up eating it. Mm. Like I could not eat it. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> and so I was like, I refuse to buy an expensive pregnancy test. So I got my son. We went to Dollar Tree. I got <laughs> one of the cheapy pregnancy <laughs> tests. I love it. And the test line lit up before the control. And it's like, oh, you're super pregnant. Definitely pregnant. (laughs) And I started crying because I was like, Mm. no, I have a one-year-old. Like, I'm not ready. 
And yep. so I called my husband crying and he was like worried, like, oh my gosh, what's wrong? And I was like, I'm pregnant. And he was like, oh, well, we kind of suspected it. <laughs> but um, yeah, we did not expect it to be that easy just because like I said, with my son, you know, it was so challenging. Um, And I discovered that like, August is my fertile month. Right. So. I was going to say, yeah, I'm sensing a pattern here. <laughs> Be yeah, careful this it. upcoming August. And yeah, like, yeah, I already <laughs> told my husband, don't even look at me. <laughs> I want to ask you too. So I know a lot of, you mentioned that there were maybe some challenges with breastfeeding. So were you breastfeeding the whole time? I know that the hormones when you're breastfeeding can impact your ability to ovulate. So if you were able to get pregnant that quickly, I'm wondering like, when did your cycle return? When did you stop breastfeeding if you were? And I guess, what did that part look like? Yeah. So with my son, um, we like starting out, we supplemented with formula just because like he, we found out he had like a lip tie and a tongue tie. So once we got that corrected, we went to like full, on breastfeeding and everything. Um, but I ended up having to wean him around nine months just because I it got some kind of like, I think it was like a UTI or something mm-hmm. and the medication that they had to prescribe, like I couldn't breastfeed while mm-hmm. taking it. Okay. And it's like, it was like a week long thing. And so I was like, okay, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to like just pump and dump for a week. And like, it was already like with my son, just because we didn't have a good start to our breastfeeding journey, like his weight was like never where it should have been and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so we still kind of like supplemented here and there with formula. So Mm -hmm. like we just transitioned him fully to formula and everything. So I wasn't breastfeeding at the time when I got pregnant. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. I think that's important. A lot of times, um, just trying to understand like that sometimes people think, oh, well, I can get pregnant right away and you can while breastfeeding still, but it's a lot more rare. So just wanted to, I guess, make that distinction too. So, okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it did take my cycle, like probably around like that nine month mark. That's when it actually mm-hmm. returned. Okay. Um, so yeah, breastfeeding for me, at least like I typically don't have a period when I'm breastfeeding yeah okay awesome good to know thank you so then you found out you're pregnant and then Mm -hmm. what (laughs) um yeah I was trying to manage being pregnant and the mom of an active toddler boy (laughs) oh boy (laughs) and it was it was definitely a lot and also too at the time I was starting my business so I started out as a virtual assistant so I was launching my business while pregnant and being a toddler boy mom um so we ended up getting my son enrolled in preschool um you know just because one I needed that break because it got to the point where like my son he had this like really huge playpen and like I I had really bad like fatigue with Mm -hmm. this pregnancy. And so I would just get in the playpen with him. I would take a nap and he would be like Mm -hmm. running circles around me and stuff. (laughs) I was like, okay, you need to go to school. (laughs) Um, So we ended up getting him enrolled in preschool and everything, which it was like really great for him. He loved it. Um, But yeah, it was just navigating all of that. And the hard part too is that with him going to preschool of course he brought home all the germs so 
I had the stomach virus that he brought home. And then he also brought home RSV and I had that as well. So (laughs) literally everything he brought home, I got it. Like I was just constantly sick during this pregnancy and mm-hmm. everything um so yeah that's the joy of having a toddler that goes to school while you're pregnant like anything they bring home you're gonna catch oh geez yeah and then it just amplifies it of course mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious too so I know with your last pregnancy because of the miscarriage there was a lot of anxiety and fear and it almost feels like maybe you didn't really get to fully enjoy that experience because you were just on edge the whole time so did you feel different this time around since you had already had your son at that point? Yeah. So <laughs> there were many times I forgot I was pregnant. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't until like the morning sickness started yeah. happening. I was like, oh, wait, you are pregnant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it, it was like a much more peaceful time. And this time I actually hired a doula. Um, my best friend, she started her doula business. And I was hey. like, I want you to be my doula. Like I want support from the beginning this time. And mm-hmm. so having her made a world of a difference. Like she not only supported me with like, you know, preparing my body for birth and nutrition and navigating all of the things that comes up during pregnancy, but also like creating a safe space where I could talk about like Mm -hmm. how my first pregnancy was compared to this one and really work through those feelings and Mm -hmm. just to like find that healing, you Mm -hmm. know, and it was truly like an amazing experience, like working with a doula who she educated both me and my husband on so much, like even like ways for him to support me when I'm giving birth, you know, and um, like different exercises I can do. Like she was just so supportive and it just was a completely different experience. Like I felt Like I knew what I was doing. I knew so much and I just felt empowered. And Mm. I think that helped me so much, especially this time around, I decided to do a home birth. Like I didn't want to go the hospital route if I didn't have to. And so um, even she supported me with, you know, finding um, the right midwife, you know, researching local midwives and really like comparing like the prices and what they offer and all of that. And um, giving me some tips with even like interviewing them and stuff like it just it was so nice to have that level of support. Yeah, I, that's amazing. We should probably link her information to if people are. Yes. Interested. She sounds incredible. But Um, I didn't even realize that you could get doula support that early on too, but how beneficial to be able to have her with you throughout the entire journey. And like you said, to process some of those feelings about the pregnancy, about the birth and just work through things and feel more prepared. I'm so glad that really resonated when you said that you felt empowered because I truly feel that that's how every woman should feel going into birth. And it's such a shame that that's not the case a lot of times. So I think by sharing your story and everything here, it's really going to help other women to be able to tap into that sense, do what you can to prepare beforehand to ask questions, you know, don't be afraid to challenge the status quo a little bit Mm -hmm. and try to do something different, try to do what feels right for you and feels like you really tapped into your intuition too at this point of you knew what you wanted, what you didn't want, and you kind of let that guide you as well. So um, that's awesome. So I guess let's continue. How did, how did this next birth end up going? (laughs) 
Yeah. So it was so funny. So with my daughter, I was, it was like the same due date for my son. It was like, Oh my gosh. Wow. April 25th. <laughs> it's like, That's wow. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I started, like I started going into labor. I didn't realize it, but I went into labor that week. It was like a few days before the 25th. And I just thought it was like a false start or whatever. Cause mm-hmm. I had quite a few of those where it's like the, you know, I think it was like the prodromal labor and all oh, of that. Okay. Um, so I like one night, the contractions were just like not letting up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I think this might be the real deal. So I called my midwife. It was like probably like one in the morning. And I was like, okay, I did everything I'm supposed to do to try to like stop the contractions. They're not stopping. So (laughs) I think you need to come. And so (laughs) they came and um, it was a team. So like it was the student midwife and then the senior midwife and then another one. And so they came, checked me. I was like five centimeters dilated. And I was like, okay, the baby's coming. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, I called my doula. She came. um, It was her and her sister. They both um, supported me. And it was such an amazing experience. So like, I had a vision for like my home birth and my doula like really helped me in creating that so like I wanted like kind of like to have like a spa experience so mm-hmm. I got the fairy lights the canopy and all of that um and I was doing a water birth too so like mm-hmm. they set up the birth pool and everything and it was just so nice just being in the comfort of my home mm-hmm. being able to move about from room to room and just having so many people there to support me. So like checking on me and the baby, rubbing my back, you know, mm-hmm. as the contractions hit and everything. And like, especially having my husband be a part of it, but I could tell he felt empowered too. Cause he knew like, okay, you know, contractions hitting, let me apply pressure here and different mm-hmm. things like that. And then just having my stuff there, like, so having my birth ball there, having mm-hmm. my favorite foods there, because that's the other thing yeah. at the hospital, they don't feed you. Yeah. And <laughs> with my home birth, like lots of protein, <laughs> like they were forcing me to eat every couple hours. I was like, I don't want to eat more. They're like, you need to have your energy. up. <laughs> so it was just such an incredible experience. And I'm not going to lie. The contractions hurt like crazy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I was in such a good place mentally and emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I um leading up to the birth. I um did. It's called the Christian hypnobirthing. Okay, so yeah. I would listen to that, like, especially every night I would like take a bubble bath to kind of like mm-hmm. relax my body and stuff. And so I would listen to the affirmations and the meditations and all of that. And I um, mean, I loved it too, because they would like, they had like certain scriptures that they would mm-hmm. say and all of that. And it was just that really helped me. And I took that with me going into the actual labor part. And so mm-hmm. although the contractions were, <laughs> they were crazy well, painful, I was able to 
handle it in that I knew the pain was for a purpose. It was mm. bringing my daughter that much closer to being in my arms and everything. And so finally, I was like laying in the bed and like I felt this gush of water. And I was like, I don't know if I peed on myself or if my <laughs> water broke, but can somebody check it? So like my water broke wow. and I have finally reached like eight centimeters dilation. And, and so it's like, okay, we're getting closer. And then all of a sudden the progression just stopped. Mm. And so my midwife was like, okay, we're going to give you like another hour. But she's like, you're tired. Baby girl is tired. And she's like, I'm just concerned that either maybe she's like wrapped up in the umbilical cord or something is causing her to not drop all yeah. the way. And so we gave it another hour. And like at this point, the contractions were like coming back to back to back, like no relief at all. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, okay, we're going to have to, you know, transfer you to the hospital. And so thankfully at this time, they were allowing more than one support person. And so I had one of the midwives come with me and my husband, mm -hmm. just because I knew the doctors were going to ask a million questions that mm -hmm. I did not know the answer to. Oh, yeah. You're tired, you're drained at that yes. point. Yes, yeah. and I was like, at that point, I was like, just give me the epidural. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And so we transferred to the hospital and they did an ultrasound. And what it was is that my daughter would not tuck her head. That oh. literally was it. She would not like oh. she could come out, but she would not tuck her She's head. Like, nah, like, so she like was her. like she was trying to come out like face first okay so that's why she kept like she would come down and then she would get oh, pulled right. back up because mm -hmm. her head wasn't putting that pressure mm -hmm. so she could come out <laughs> so yeah my my stubborn child she's Cute. stubborn to this day. <laughs> but the this time the hospital experience it was so much better because mm -hmm. when I was educated but it was also nice having the midwife there because she stepped in and intervened because they were talking about putting me on Pitocin mm -hmm. and she was like she's already having back-to-back -back contractions why are you going to make the contractions worse Good. Good. <laughs> so I was thankful to have her because at that point I was so exhausted but I did speak up you know I requested the epidural but I said I want an actual anesthesiologist to do it mm -hmm. not a student and Good. I told them about my experience the last time and they respected that. And I, I know that they had received a lot of complaints because this time around, they were, it was a completely different. They were mm -hmm. much more like really asking me like what I wanted, really mm -hmm. like trying to be like mindful and kind and all of that, like going above and beyond. So I was thankful for that. Um, that this time around, like, I felt like I was being heard and supported. But there were like a couple of doctors who were trying to give pushback. And that's when my midwife would step in and like, no, we're not doing that. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so we were gonna try like we tried and waited out to see like, if maybe if I like got in a different position or something, if that mm -hmm. would help with like, you know, my daughter possibly tucking her head. Mm -hmm. She didn't. So I ended up having to do another C section. But this time, because the epidural was placed properly, mm -hmm. I felt nothing. I didn't even realize they had pulled her out yet. Wow. Until like, they were like showing me her and I was like, Oh, you guys pulled her out. <laughs> like, I didn't what? even know they were cutting. <laughs> 
anything into me. Oh my gosh, wow. <laughs> so completely different experience this awesome. time. Um, and it was just amazing. Like she was almost eight pounds. She was like seven pounds, 15 ounces. Mm-hmm. She was like looking around mad at the world. because She did <laughs> not want to come out. <laughs> but this time I was able to like um, hold her and then immediately like latch mm-hmm. her on. And we we had such an amazing breastfeeding journey this time mm-hmm. around. I just weaned her as of last week. Oh, nice. But yeah, we made it 13 months of breastfeeding. Like never once did she had to do formula or anything like that. I actually had an oversupply this time. <laughs> nice. So like navigating that was a little <laughs> Yeah, different. that's a different challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was just a completely different experience. Now, no, I didn't get to do like the official, you know, home birth that I wanted. But I, I, you know what, I went through the whole like the labor pains mm-hmm. and I my water broke at home. And so I count that as part of that experience. And I just felt really good about it. I felt empowered, like even with doing the C-section, like. I felt good about it. Like mm-hmm. no trauma this time. Like it was exactly what I wanted. That's beautiful. And I'm so glad you got that real redemption story almost mm-hmm. right with your birth and you were able to experience it the way you envisioned, even if it wasn't still perfectly according to plan, yeah. it still worked out just as it needed to be. And I think to me, what stood out was just the experience that you had. So even though it was still painful, even though it was still challenging, you were in your home for the majority of it. You were surrounded by that support. You had that advocacy with you at the hospital too, with your midwife and even your husband, who was probably more prepared this time around than the first time too, right? So um, yeah, I think that's that's incredible. And thank you for sharing. Um, that's a, a really just beautiful journey, beautiful story. And now you're the mama of two beautiful kids. So um, that's, that's amazing. I forgot to ask you though. Um, did you get your baby shower with your daughter? Oh, yes. I completely <laughs> forgot to share that. I did. We ended up doing it. I think it was like the first weekend in April awesome. and all of my family and friends came out and, and it was, it was even more special because like my son, he was two at the time and he got to be part of it. And a lot of people who hadn't met him yet, they got to meet him there at the baby shower. And it was so cute. Him like walking around, looking at everything, <laughs> like acting like this was for him. Okay. <laughs> yeah, funny. But yes, I got to have my baby shower and wow. I loved it too. Because like um, certain people also like brought gifts for my son too. Mm. And so it just made it so special. I love that. That's so beautiful. I'm so glad you got to celebrate because I know that was yeah. something that you didn't get to experience, unfortunately, with the circumstances. And um, I think it is really important to celebrate those milestones and to just really cherish that that longing that you've had in your heart for so long and it finally taking place uh, with your son and with your daughter. So I think that's really beautiful. Um, I'm, I'm curious too, now that we are kind of on the subject of baby showers, just because this does come up a lot. Did you ever, while you were still trying um, before you had conceived, did you ever receive baby shower invitations or have friends or family or anybody that was pregnant? And um, how did you navigate those scenarios if you were faced with them? So thankfully, I didn't go through that. But one of my close friends, she actually... Um, suffered a miscarriage 
while I was pregnant and mm-hmm. it was like shortly before my baby shower. Okay. And she ended up finding out that she was actually pregnant with twins. And mm-hmm. so I told her, I was like, I will not be upset if you can't come to my baby shower. I was like, my heart breaks for you. And if mm-hmm. you need like, if that's going to give you peace of mind not to come, then you do what's best for you. Um, but she was okay. She, you know, her and her husband were able to kind of like work through their feelings and stuff. And they came and they celebrated us mm-hmm. and everything. Um, but yeah, like I haven't been on that side of things, but I've supported my friend, you know, yeah. who's gone through it. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I think that's really great advice too, just for anybody that's experiencing that. So um, thank you. Thanks for sharing that piece. So um, I guess as we wrap up, is there anything more that you want to share about your motherhood journey so far? So I know we kind of touched on your business, but you you're balancing right now with you have a business, you have two young children. How are you doing that? How are you making all that work? Um, honestly, one like leaning a lot on my husband. Um, he's such an amazing support. Um, because for us, we don't have family nearby that can like take the kids and yeah. stuff like that. Like it's mm-hmm. literally just me and him. Okay. And so, like, some of the ways my husband supports me is that like he handles like dinner. So mm-hmm. he plans it, he cooks it, all of that. Um, he also too, like he handles the kids nighttime routine. So like, Mm -hmm. he's the one that'll like get them ready for bed and he puts them to sleep. And, um, with that, like it allows me to like work in the evenings and stuff. Um, and then my son, he goes to preschool three days a week. And so those days I'm able to get way more work done, um, just cause I only have my daughter here with me. Um, and I, I take full advantage of her nap time. So like right now <laughs> she's napping and I'm able to do this interview. Yeah, um, but yeah, just kind of navigating it that way. And then to, um, on the weekends, like, because my husband is home, like I will go and like lock myself in the room for like a couple of hours and knock out whatever work I need to do and all of that. So like, just kind of finding those pockets of time where I can get things done. But also too, one thing I did this year was I restructured my business. So instead of doing so much one-on-one work, I started my group coaching program. And that's allowing me to serve like one to many, but also like setting it up in a way that works for me and my current season of life. And so I think as moms, like if we really start looking at it that way, like how we can get creative with our time and what we realistically can do in this season of our life, that frees us up so much from like all of the pressures of trying to do all the things and whatnot. Um, So yeah. And I mean, another thing is too, is like my mom, she lives out of state, but like, if I know ahead of time, I have something coming up where I have to have someone like take the kids, like she'll come down and she'll take the kids so I can get things done and everything. So yeah, just getting really creative with things. <laughs> well, creative, but I think another piece that I hear in that is that you're not afraid to ask for help. And I think so many times we're reluctant. Maybe we're either a little bit of shame, just thinking, oh, maybe we can't handle it. But asking for help is so important. And a lot of times people are willing to give it. People want to support you. People want to be there. I'm sure your mom loves spending time with her grandbabies, right? Yes. So it's a joy for her too. It's it's mutually beneficial, but 
um, I think that's really a great lesson to learn is just don't be afraid to ask for that help when you need it. So yeah, definitely. (laughs) Well, I have two last questions for you. I guess first would be, um, what advice would you give to women who are currently in the thick of their fertility journey, still trying to conceive? I think one of the things that really helped me and my husband was to stop thinking about it so much because we had gotten into this routine where it was basically a routine. Like we weren't enjoying that intimacy together. It was like, okay, Andrea's ovulating, you know, let's do what we need to do. And so when we get so fixated on it, like we don't realize it, like that's adding a lot of stress to our body and that can even interfere with us being able to conceive. So I think for us getting back to just enjoying being with one another and not turning it into this routine or this chore that we need to do so we can have kids, Um, I think that really helped and also too, like just getting support like even right now wherever you're at in your journey whether that's hiring a fertility coach or getting a therapist or whatever like get that support that you need so that way you can make sure like mentally and emotionally you are where you need to be because mindset plays a lot into it like Mm -hmm. I don't think we realize it that much but it really does impact your fertility journey absolutely I always like to say too that if if fertility was 100% physical then IVF would have a 100% success rate and it doesn't there's so many other factors that are considered beyond just the physical and mindset's absolutely one of them a huge component so that's great advice. Um, thank you for sharing. And I know I'm sure you felt the same. I wish I had that advice during my journey yes. when I first started too. Um, but no, I think that's really great for, for the listeners to know. Um, and then the last question I have for you is what does being a mother mean to you? Um, honestly, being a mom, it means everything to me. Like you, as your kids get older and they start to you know, hit these different milestones and um, especially when they get to the point where they can actually have conversations Mm -hmm. with you, you just are so in awe of them, Mm -hmm. like their personality and everything. And you just have this overwhelming pride, like, wow, this child came from me. Like Mm -hmm. I helped create that. And so it's just, it's such a joyful thing. Like, no, it's not always easy, especially <laughs> the toddler stage can be really rough, <laughs> but I would not change it for anything in the world because these, these two little humans, like they are my everything. Like they keep me going like days when I want to give up, I look at them and I'm able to press through like whatever mm-hmm. I'm going through and everything And so that's what motherhood like means to me. Like, it's just such a beautiful thing. Again, like knowing that you created these little humans and especially as you see them come into themselves and you start to wonder like, wow, like what are they going to do with their lives Mm -hmm. when they get older? Who are they going to be? And you just see it all together. And I think especially too, because I have, two and they're so close in age and just watching their relationship develop has been like such a beautiful thing 
Yeah, that's so special. I love that. And I love your explanation. I think that's really a beautiful way to put it. So thank you for sharing that. No problem. If people want to learn more about you, work with you even, um, I know full transparency, I am in Andrea's group program and I am loving it. She is a podcast queen. So anybody who needs support (laughs) in that area, please, please reach out. But um, yeah, where can people find you and uh, where can we point them to? I'll include everything in the show notes too, but. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I love having you in the accelerator program. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you can connect with me on my podcast, Mama Term Mompreneur. Um, I share all about podcasting and using a podcast um, to grow your business and generate leads. Um, but I also have guest experts who share like other strategies for growing your business as a mom. And I talk about mom life too. <laughs> um, so you can connect with me there. I'm also on Instagram at mama turn mompreneur. And then my website is mama turn mompreneur. Awesome. Great. Yeah, we'll definitely have people reach out. So thank you so much. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for sharing your beautiful journey. And thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. All right, friend, that's it for today. It was great catching up with you though. And I can't wait to do it again next week. Can I just say, I really appreciate you being here. And it means so much that you took time out of your day to listen in. So what'd you think of the episode? Let me know if you enjoyed it by leaving a rating and review. It'll just take a second, and this simple act of generosity helps more women discover the podcast so they can feel supported on their fertility journey as well. Thank you for being so kind and paying it forward. Oh yeah, and by the way, if you're looking to connect with other women who are trying to get pregnant, then I've got just the place for you. Consider this your personal invitation to join the Fertility Friends community. It's a safe and supportive space to connect that's off of social media, and it's totally free head on over to blossomingfertility.com slash friends to join. I can't wait to welcome you inside. Take care, my friend.